I'm not into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit! Back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Not A Pundit podcast. It has finally happened. Stephen Kenny is gone from the Ireland job. In a statement this evening by the FAI, they've thanked him for him and his staff for their service, um, saying that having reviewed the Euro 2024 qualification campaign in its entirety and recognising how difficult the group was and the results needed to realise our goal of qualification for the tournament were not achieved. The board agrees that now is the right time for change ahead of the friendly matches in March and June 2024 and the next Nations League campaign starting in 2020, uh, September 2024. And this was following a meeting uh, and presentation to the board by CEO Jonathan Hill and Director of Football Mark Cameron. The FAI board has decided that Stephen Kelly's contract uh, for the men's senior national team will not be renewed following uh, the conclusion of the qualification process. So... This evening we are going to be looking at Stephen Kenny's tenure and his legacy. Is he underappreciated? Was he unqualified for the job? And we have brought in the full and Hall of Fame worthy stable that we have in Not A Pundit Towers. We have the confident Conor Glennon. We have the reliable Robbie Redmond and the noble Nathan Byrne and myself, the lowly Killian Guinnessy. Lads, how are we doing? We are all good, my friend. Nice introduction there. Um, couldn't be happier on this merry eve of uh, jubilation for the Irish national team. And I'm sure Robbie is celebrating there. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually sad, Killian. I'm, I'm sad for... Stephen Kenny, and um, start for Irish football, and I'm just, I'm just glad this is over. This it's just um, someone put out their misery, and I'm, I'm also glad that there's no more international breaks now till March, and no more competitive Ireland matches till next September. So, who knows if we ever get to see Ireland <laughs> win a match again? So, I'm ready to move on after we talk about this, of course. But I'm, I'm just relieved it's all over. Nathan, what was your initial reaction to the news? The poor guy was put out of his misery. Um, that was my initial reaction. Was probably six games too late, and and he's been, he's been freed. Um, yeah, it, it, I think the painful thing in the last couple of games has been it's looked like a guy that's properly drowning in, in the job, and yeah, I think I'm happy that now he can move on and Ireland can move on and everyone can move on. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Connor, what do you think the logic was for keeping? Kenny around for the last couple of games because qualification for practically the last six months has been beyond our reach if not mathematically but realistically um was there any benefit to keep him around for that extra time like dead man walking I I don't think so I think the way they were looking at it was a a couple of ways I suppose the first of all is they can keep the powder off their nose and they don't have to make the decision and they look like, oh, we gave them every chance. Um, that's one angle on it. I think the second angle is, I don't believe this to be true, but in a way it could be give him a chance to sell his worth for his next job. Uh, could he pull off a couple of wins um, by the end of it or at least some decent showings, which we all know he didn't. Um, and I think the final 
one was they just didn't have anyone to replace him. Um, and they didn't want to go into that merry-go-round again um, of another interim manager bringing the big Mick discussion. I think they were just kind of trying to control the media. And like Nathan said, like uh, jokes aside, as I said at the top, where where I'm jubilant about it. Like I think everyone feels sorry for him at this point. You know, it's 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 been a as Nathan said, the last six probably, but definitely the last three years. It's just been bleak, and no one wants to see a a man of his vintage crying on national television as much as. The deplorable football we've been playing, Robbie. Um, should we really expect more from this qualification process? Like, were, yeah. were we ever going to get to the Euros? See, this is the thing, and this is where Stephen Kenny and maybe I think maybe a lot of fans, not yourself, Killian, and um, but a lot of fans might get confused. The qualification process started last year with the Nations League. So we were in a group of equal quality teams ranked around us: Scotland, Ukraine, and. Who was the other one? Scotland, Ukraine. Give me two seconds. You want you to cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scotland, Ukraine, Armenia. Basically, so yeah, we were the qualification group with those guys. So they were ranked around us. We finished third in that group. We lost to all three teams. If we had to finish second, or sorry, first in that group, because we beat Scotland at home. We, if we had even got a draw away to Ukraine or, or draw at home with Ukraine and beat um, Armenia away, we would have topped that move. Kenny would have now have a playoff in his back pocket. So this group, basically, Kenny was landing in this group, which people said he's unlucky. It's it's kind of shows how, the, how all Kenny really has the last while is the narrative. That's all he's been able to kind of, because the results on the pitch and the performances don't do, do him any favour, but he's been trying to control the narrative a lot the last maybe six months or a year. And he's, I think he's seen the writing on the wall, but the qualification started a year ago. And, I was at those games and we were beaten comfortably by teams on our level. So he can have no complaints then when he ends up in a group with Netherlands and France and even Greece, who are probably one of the better fourth place teams. So it's it's ultimately his fault, really, that we didn't we had a chance to beat teams on our level and we didn't. And and that's where he's lost this. He hasn't lost his job because he lost to France and Netherlands because we're always going to lose those games. So I don't think he can have any complaints. I know it became one of uh, Irish media's kind of favourite headlines in the last couple of weeks, but can we still qualify for the Euros now that we've lost to the Netherlands? Robbie? No, we're goners. We're oh, the whole thing goners. is over. It's done. Yeah. The whole thing is done. Okay. And we're, we're out. And the playoffs have been made. And I Greece will play Kazakhstan for a place at a tournament. Like, mm. like that, that's the level of it. So basically, 21 teams qualify directly. Sorry, 20 teams qualified directly. Then you have Germany, who are getting his hosts. Then you're going to have um, three teams from the playoffs. So there's basically, that's let's say, 30-odd teams who are who are in contention or have qualified for the Euros out of 54. And Ireland are one of those other 20 that aren't in contention with San Marino and the like. So it's it's utterly, absolutely brutal, really. It's there's just no the same thing over and over and over again. You know, it's getting bloody old at this point it's like you go into tournaments going i'm not going to even pretend i'm going to end up at this tournament you just know we're not going like you know yeah so we managed to qualify not qualify a tournament that is becoming harder and harder to not qualify to nathan can we take any positives out of this qualification uh like roundabout that we've we've endured um to be honest no um i think it comes down to the hard facts that yeah, we were in a group with France and Netherlands, but 
I think as as football fans, especially football fans that support Ireland, is you can separate the performances from the results. And I, I I don't think there was many performances that you could you could look at and go like that was a good performance. So I think that was really what put the nail in Kenny's coffin was was the was the performances. Um, but yeah, like as soon as that group came out, it was always going to be be hardship to get to, to get to the tournament. Um. But yeah, it is annoying seeing the, the not like the lower ranked teams that that are still in contention and we're not, we're not there. You know what I mean? It feels like, oh, we're gonna be watching the Euros in the summer, but we won't be cheering on, cheering on Ireland. Do we have any confirmation about? Is it just Kenny that's gone, or is his staff gone as well? Because both FAI representatives in the statement did thank the staff, but it was only head coach position has gone up. I tell Keith you, Anders will gone. be. Keith, yeah. I was about to say he'll be just. He's he'll either hold on for dear life and find a way to survive the apocalypse, but that that dude's gone. I'd imagine. I think O'Shea will stick around because O'Shea is kind of a company man. He was mm. already in the system before Kenny, so I think he'll be sticking around. You never know. Yeah, no, I agree. G- Gus Payette might give him um, Andrews a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but just on um. Going to recency bias, um, Connor, you were live tweeting the New Zealand friendly uh, on on behalf of the the NAP guys, and uh, it really didn't look good. Um, you had a, you had a good um world ranking tweet about the opposition that we were being at worst a best case scenario being matched by a worst case being scenario being that we were actually outclassed by it at, at times. Yeah, I mean, for my sins, I, I was I was live tweeting that one. It was uh, definitely a awful watch, and you know, to be honest with you, I, I kind of looked at it from after about fifteen minutes ago, and I kind of was just watching how New Zealand played more than anything, and kind of seeing how they navigated. And like, going back to the stat that you were saying, I think they're around one hundred and third in the world, or one hundred and eighth, something like that. And you know, when we're playing teams like that and getting shown up. Um, drawn one all. Okay, look, these things happen. You can, it, you know, you can concede the ninetieth minute and getting lucky, but it wasn't that. You know, there, this was a performance where if we were up against even the likes of San Marino, I think could have beaten us last, like last night. It it, it really was awful football. Um, Mikey Johnson had some good play. Um, I know we were kind of chatting about him in, 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 in the Not A Pundit group, and I'm sure that'll come to the fore at some point. But, you know, outside that, it was a fairly uninspired performance. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you look around the, the New Zealand team, and, I mean, the I think Singh and Garbutt were about their, their best players. Chris Wood's decent. You know, I'm going to have the black and white lenses on, but when he's your captain, you got slight worries in your team. But, yeah, all in all... Um, Really poor performance, but I mean, I don't know what we expected going into it. It's it we were very much just there because we had to be there. Um, and I even to, in fairness to Kenny, I think even if he hadn't been in the dugout for that game, I think we will play the exact same match. Um, I think we really need to completely rebuild the infrastructure that is the FAI. Um, I'm not even talking the C-suite people. I just mean from grassroots up, Ireland Irish football needs serious change. And it's not going to happen in the short term. This is a long term rebuild, I think. Nathan, is this is is this where we fall into that? Like, a hundred and three in the world is pu- genuinely putting it up to us, albeit a friendly and a friendly where our manager is going to be going. But like, 
we're meant to be in the 50s in, in the world's ranking. Like, is this what we have to get used to? Are we going to, like, are we going to be coming up against the likes of, I don't know, bloody uh, American Samoa and kind of having to double check our homework before doing so? Yeah, it is extremely worrying, specifically the part where, like, you hear people go, oh, New Zealand were good. New Zealand weren't good. We made them look good. Um, like, I, I didn't see anything that, that, that showed that they were a great team or, or anything of, of that, that kind. It's like, we, we've we've got to the point where even on days where McLean's hanging up the international boots, could be Kenny's final game. It's like, I can't even get up out of bed to, to beat New Zealand, you know what I mean? So... I think that just shows the level we're at and I think we're at a point where if we don't get our next manager correct and I know I know it's a hard thing it's like football in Ireland could be looking at a, a very tough tough time like you know another three-year period I know it was New Zealand but you see the attendance at the Aviva the other night like it's it, it hurts the eyes like um so I think another three years we, we could be in a, a world of her Robbie, um, you're you were covering Ireland extensively before Kenny came around. You've covered them extensively throughout his tenure. Um, have we gotten worse, or is this par for the course from what he took over from? I think we've become much easier to be. So, like, I was looking back to just notes, like word docs you just take when you're watching matches, and every time you didn't type like. Ireland easy to play against gaps in midfield like so we definitely became easier to be but I also think like people have probably lost sight of the context of what what the push was to appoint Stephen Kenny it happened because this is five years ago the world is a very different place but Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane like the team was going nowhere not only were they going nowhere they, they weren't being coached properly like the players weren't being told what formation to play in they weren't working on set pieces kept conceding the same goal over and over. We lost 5-1 to Denmark in Dublin. We lost 4-1 away, away to Wales in Cardiff. We were terrible and, and we'd lost Rice, we'd lost Grealish. So the idea was that Kenny was like this successful League of Ireland manager who was successful in Europe and it was never this idea that he would be this like Irish Pep Guardiola. I don't know where that idea came from but he bought into it and he appeared to believe it. And so we spent the first year of him having like Shane Duffy or whatever playing <laughs> trying to play balls out from the back but he's he's totally not capable of doing that like and he had like he tried um, James McCarthy as like the pivot type player midfield or or Conor Harahan like these guys aren't good enough and we, we went from managers talking down the level of the players to talking them up to the point that it was borderline ridiculous like if you think now of how some of these players were hyped up like Adam Eda Troy Parra Jay, like Jason Knight, like God, look, like what does that guy do on a pitch other than just run around? Like he doesn't really play football. Like I, I don't see what Kenny saw in these guys, and he, he very much bought into this idea that he was the kind of savior, nearly, or he had to be the one to change the style. But he, the the management of the international team doesn't change the style of the the whole country. That happens on the ground, and the manager comes in at the end of the production line, and the style of play never mattered. So. The people who defended him and still defend him, they, they they were getting it all wrong. They were looking at it backwards, like they, like it was never about how we played. Um, there was never Kenny would say stuff like, "Oh, we now place an emphasis on technique and skill." And I'm like, "Why? 
Why are you placing <laughs> emphasis on winning? Like I could say I place an emphasis on being a billionaire, but I'm not a billionaire. Like it's like you, we don't the players don't have tec- technique or skill. That's not that's nothing against them. That's not Stephen Kenny's fault. That's a production matter going further back. So he and it's it's not it's being pragmatic. It's like and then he's, it's it, oh, I'm rambling a bit, but even stuff like then then he had sorry decent coaches with him. We we got a bit of an uptorn like Anthony Barry. Who was now at Bayern Munich was like there was a definite upturn there. He, he kind of downloaded the tactic that Chelsea would play in this three four three, and it was getting them a couple of results and nil nil at home to Portugal. We almost beat them away one one at home to Serbia. But people forget like because it was Jordan Colbert. at one point Ireland went eleven hours without scoring a goal under Stephen Kenny. Bleak as got, hell, isn't it? Like like yeah, one thing that I think going back to your piece on technique, Rob, is that like. I think that stems from his time in the twenty ones because that kind of emphasis is more on the underage yeah. game. And I know, I know twenty, yeah. It, and I, you know, I think he was used to having players that you know have a bit of ability, and he can coax it out of them and develop them and improve that technique. And to be fair, in his twenty ones time, he was good. But we, when you're bringing that into guys who are, you know, anywhere from twenty four to thirty four, you just can't come in with that approach, you know. No, and then the other thing Killian's like saying is that we brought so many players through. Well, I'm like, well, mm. of course you did. Like, what are you going to do? Play Paul McGrath? Like, or Aidan <laughs> McGeady? Like, these guys are ancient. Like, Glenn Whelan's not being kept out of the team by Josh Cullen. Glenn Whelan's finished. Like, he's not. So who are these people who went before that Kenny had to brush aside to bring through the new young blood? They don't exist. Like, there was a gap and there was no one. Like, Jeff Hendrick. She played Jeff Hendrick for probably about 20, 30 matches. Like, because I was at most of them. <laughs> he played Conor Herrahan. All these guys played and they weren't good enough. So he, it wasn't that he was bringing these through. He will say that and he'll cling to that. But ultimately, like his in-game management was what let him down. And this is where... I it's non-existent. It's non-existent. Like, that's it, Conor. And I, I remember watching matches like... I remember being at a Luxembourg match at home in, during the pandemic, freezing cold, and we lost 1-0. Empty stadium. And I'm like, oh, God, like this is not... But this is one of the things, though, is that, like, Luxembourg, whatever people want to say about them, they're now a good team. Like, they are on the verge of qualifying, and they're competitive at this level, Nathan. And, like, I'm starting to kind of wonder, have we sprinted to stand still while everybody has been able to (laughs) sprint to get ahead? Yeah, I think that's definitely a good angle, um... The the thing that I struggle with and I've always struggled with, specifically with international football, is especially with a team at Ireland's level, it's like, okay, Stephen Kenny comes in, he wants to play this nice football and he and he and he speaks about it and it's sort of like the thing that he uses to wow people over. But he, a lot of the team is made up by players that are battling relegation or, you know, playing in the championship. It's like these players don't play this on a week to week basis, and then they go away with Ireland, and like ma- at maximum, all he gets is a week with them. And it's like, how are you going to teach these players how to play that type of football in a week period at a time? And it's like, yeah, I think with international football and specifically the standard that Ireland's at, it's like you have to take, you have to take what you got, yeah, your level and yeah. and transfer that into a way that that gets results. And I think that is just pragmatic football. As much as we don't like it, I'd much rather be winning than going. Oh, look at us! We can we can press here. Mm. We can do this. We can, you know, play a nicer style of football. I think you got to take into consideration the level that these players are at and what they play on a week to week basis. It's like Ogbeni, like 
at a, on a on a week to week basis. He's he's not playing fancy football. He's playing to stay in the Premier League. You know what I mean? It's like I I I struggle with the direction. I really do. And I, and I don't. You know sometimes what... need the the Tony Pulis style of football. Exactly. Just grind them out. You know. Yeah, they've been asking the wrong questions all along. We've been focused on the wrong things. Like like the reason why I pushed for Kenny in twenty eighteen is because I would watch Dundalk and watch them in Europe and. You'd hear stuff like about them, like you were well coached. Like you're like, all right, well, there's a guy. He's Irish. He's passionate. Um, he it would mean a lot to him. And um, we can't go down this old British manager route of Martin O'Neill anymore, British style manager, because that didn't work. Give Kenny a try, but it was almost like all I was looking for was him to coach the team. Like the the team under O'Neill wasn't coached. Like that's the truth. Like I remember going one day over to the FAI for a press conference and like. The lads would just kick the ball down for a couple of minutes, and then half an hour later, Martin O'Neill would be in for his press conference. Like stuff from the sixties and seventies. Like so, I was just thinking, well, Kenny would bring more to the table than that, but he brought too much into this idea, like Nate saying about pretty football and all this stuff. No international teams play good football, exactly. Even France, like yeah, France are best collection of players in the world, and they're they're not that good to watch really because they just kind of sit back. England bored away through tournaments, like. Their fans are bored stiff watching them, but they're always in contention. And they've good players. We don't have really good players. And we don't have that in-game manager that I was going to say is that it's not even a League of Ireland thing. There could be a League of Ireland manager out there who's tactically astute and can react quickly. But even last night, New Zealand were better in the second half than Ireland because 100%. they figured out that, okay, went in a time, took stock, Ireland gave them their best shot and they were all over us in the second half. And Kenny, at no point, did he make a switch to to influence the match? He just doesn't have that level of in-game coaching. And that's what we've seen exposed from League of Ireland to elite level. That's what Gus Poirier and Ronald Koeman, like average enough Premier League managers, they have that because they've been competing at this level for 25, But it's like years, we talked about players. before, Rob. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's that, that we, we talked about before the killers that are, you know, elite managers. And it, it just... Stephen Kenny doesn't have it in him. Like it, you know, he talks about this great team that he's left in place and all the youth that he's brought through. And like at no point in his tenure did we play good football. At no point did we get better. And statistically, like world rankings wise, we've jumped so far down. So it's like, it, there, it, for me, the thing that I would have really appreciated at the end, like, look, no one's saying he's a bad guy. He is definitely a nice man. He's he's an honourable guy, and he knows he knows football. He just was out of his depth. But at no point did he go, I got it wrong. I could have done this better. Yeah. Like, there was no... He got quite you know, vicious no, at the end. Very feisty. He got and, salty, yeah. yeah. Like, because even, like, like I got, a, I got a quote here from him, and this was, I think, the press conference the day before. And it's just him bashing other managers. And he's, he goes, listen, we played Holland the other night, one of the best teams in Europe. It wasn't like we lost 4-1 to Wales or got hammered in, in Cyprus or Macedonia, which is a dig at O'Neill, Staunton, McCarthy. He goes, it was a tight game in Holland. We lost at 1-0 and deserved to lose. It was one of those tight games. I think a bit of perspective is needed uh, on that, you know? And it's like, no, a bit of perspective isn't. None of us expected what? to roll in against Holland and absolutely smash people, but, like, we expected to at least compete. And uh, going back to your points earlier, I don't want... I don't expect to beat Holland. I expect to beat Qatar. I expect to beat Luxembourg, yeah. San Marino. Like, you know, but it's it's just lunacy. What, what, game but was having he, better... what game was he watching? Like, like the Netherlands <laughs> could have scored, like, four or five. Like, literally. Like, they, they missed... The, yeah. Yeah. 
But this is the thing about the Netherlands. If we're putting things into perspective, this is not the Netherlands of old. This is the Netherlands that up until, what, the last 18 months, 24 months, Ryan Babel was still fucking playing for them. Like, this is He's not... still around. It, that is frightening. I forgot he was even alive. Yeah, and, and was playing international football up until scarily recently. I think it was only Jesus. in the middle of the of the pa- uh, the pandemic that he stopped. Um, and, it, and it's not by his choice, just they were in such a basket case but like this is not a netherlands of old this they yes they have good players but it, this is not like a 2010 year uh, or tw- uh, 2012 euros where it was, or 2008 euros whereas one of these teams so it's like good individuals but also a good team the netherlands right now are going through their own transitionary period yes they're coming out of a very very bad time and they have some stars coming through like xavi simmons but Nobody's expecting them to be winning the Euros. So it's no. you can't even compare like what Kenny's trying to say about them well, it's, to it's some like of Brazil the other teams that he's trying to say. Came over. It's, you know, it's like we had the yeah. Ronaldinho and Roberto Carlos team roll in. It's like, no, we had a semi-average Holland team that, you know, yeah. I, I, I'd argue our 2002 team could beat, you know. Very selective. He's been very selective, sorry, in all his narratives and everything he picks. Like, it's, it's always to fit his own view, which probably ties into how he's reading the games in game as well he's just not seeing the negatives or he's not seeing the the flaws in his own view and he doesn't seem to have anyone around him particularly from a media perspective where he didn't have anyone around him to stare him right and tell him mate that's a really stupid thing to say well like, like, this is Rob, like we, we, we see the post-match interviews that they broadcast you've been in the rooms where you know you're yeah. seeing more like what's he what's he like in there is he drowning is he just yeah, drowning completely. Yeah. Like, um, he'll come in. It's usually, the times I've covered him, it's, he comes in like 20 to 11 maybe when that sounds like a real first world uh, sports journal, isn't he, to give out about because you want to catch the last train. But you're like, come in, mate, and be bullish. But he comes in late, mumbles through stuff, rambles on a bit. Um, if you ask him a question, he'll go, go on to something else. But he, he, like, as opposed to, say, Mick McCarthy, I remember Ireland... We had a bad result at home and McCarthy came in and he was so bullish and so confident and he had his back up and it just, it did really kind of own the room, you know, that way. Whereas O'Neill had his own kind of prickly style from being a successful manager and a player that he just looked down on the Irish press. He didn't think anything of them really. Where Kenny, he'd always try, he always thought, I think he was trying to explain, show people, look what I know. Like he'd be talking about like in all the fullback step in the midfield and this is our plan and this. And I'm like, mate, that's not what we were watching. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just not like I've quotes here. I was looking at, he has after he says, we have built this team over the last two years. It's a new Irish team with a high emphasis on technique and skill. It's a team where every player is comfortable in possession in every area of the pitch. It has speed and attacking areas with a real cutting edge and has shown the capacity to score goals. We've had several injuries. We've tried to build a team with depth to cope with such scenarios. We've built this team with the ultimate ambition to qualify for European championships in Germany. He said this after Ireland lost 2-1 to Norway in a friendly. It's delusional. It's genuine delusion. And it's like Kevin Doyle last night was saying, oh, you know, he's he's never had a full team. Tell me any manager in world football that's ever had a full team, no injuries, no suspensions. Like, it's complete bullshit, you know? Yeah. Nathan, has has Kenny over the last little while has he lost the fans? Like I know attendances are down, but like there's been a a, a glut of sport over the last little while. Has he actually lost the backing of the nation? 
there, there was no support of that Greece game, I can tell you that. There was more booze than anything. Um but yeah, like see I this this is this is the fine line where where I I struggle to to actually like come across with what what I think in terms of I don't know if I feel bad for him or I don't know if all of it was was sort of a lie that he bought into. You know what I mean? I can't distinguish. I think he invented the lie. Yeah. I think he. I think going back to Rob's point, I think he got this job and goes, "I have a massive job. I need a new persona." And he goes, "I'm this Pep Guardiola type." And I think that's what you're. I think that you're summing it up perfectly nice. But do you do you think he fell in love with that lie and sort of like bought into it and and like he sort of became part of the lie, or do you think he like it was sort of like he was too far and deep that he couldn't he couldn't just go like. You know, I, I think he, Keith this. Andrews telling him. I think he, Keith Andrews telling him, no, no, I'm seeing this too. I, I genuinely think he had yeah. yes men around him, and and whatever he ha- whatever thing, whatever he believed, just got elevated to a point where he, he you can't really see outside of it. And then you know he probably had siege mentality where he's like, oh, the media are going to be against me regardless of what I do. And it, I think I it, it was just it. delusional. My memory, yeah. I think that was peak COVID. But I remember there was a real bad spell there where he went like 11 hours of scoring and I think we yeah. beat Andorra or something like that or someone really, really small and then <laughs> scored against Serbia and then lost. <laughs> but that first year was absolutely terrible for him. And he'll say there was mitigating stuff like COVID rules and stuff like that. But I, just, I think now it just doesn't matter. He was just, it wasn't going to work anyway. He, he might have got a bit of bad luck, but... It was. I think when we look back now, yeah. you can see it was clear from the start this just wasn't going to happen for him. Well, 2020, we'd twenty twenty, we'd eight games, and he didn't win one. Um, he had one, two, three, four draws in eight games. Like how? Like that's the kind of thing. If you, this is why I do think this is a prime example. Going into the next manager, whoever it is, short term contract. Yeah, it has to be. You know. With short-term contract with huge bonus options to key, to get interested parties in, even if it's a two-year cycle, because then you go into 2021, right? And I won't go through every team. I'll just bring up the ones that kind of stick out to me. We lose 1-0 to Luxembourg. Absolute joke. We'll draw one all with Qatar. We then, we beat Andorra 4-1. That was kind of, that was his first win. So... He started in September of 2020, and we have our first win in in a friendly in June in 21. Like, what are we doing here? You know, um, yeah. we go down the list. Then we go Hungary. We draw nil all. Portugal. We lose two one. That's fine. Azerbaijan. We draw one all. Serbia. We draw one all. Um, and then we start getting a bit better. Two wins on the bounce. Three nil win against Azerbaijan. Four nil win against Qatar. But like. Right now, we wouldn't beat Azerbaijan. Right now, we wouldn't beat Qatar. You know, Qatar went to the World Cup. I know it was in Qatar, but, like, they would beat us, I think. But if you look at a lot of the teams there that we're saying that we should beat, so let's say Bulgaria, Azerbaijan, um, Luxembourg, like, Mm -hmm. they have now what Ireland used to have, which was the ability to just be dogged and grind out a result. And just, if nothing else... No, as a unit, we're going to live and die by this. We'll put our fucking backs against the wall. We'll, yeah, just get anything. Like, be pragmatic about it. And Nathan, I, 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 I can't remember ever seeing Kenny be as flexible as to kind of go, 
listen, lads, just huff it. Last 25 minutes, let's try and get something here. Yeah, we, we really didn't. And you have to question if he even had it in his back locker to begin with. Um, Like, that that's what I struggle with so much is, like, at some point, there must have been a conversation in that camp where we go, do we just close shop for a game and see how it works? Like, do you know what I mean? Play off whoever up front and just go, let's try and nick a goal, hold on to the lead. Like, surely that conversation had to happen because we didn't see it in the games. So, like, they clearly didn't didn't choose to do it. And I think it's it's something that dates back to, like, international experience. It's like... It, it, I think it carries so much value is having a manager with previous international experiences. They know how to get them wins. Like, I like I think we were looking back earlier and we are like, Trapatoni. It's like, he, his win record, when you look back, I think it's 40%. It's much higher than Stephen Kenny's. But it was boring football, but he, he could nick a win. Well you know what I mean? Like, it's like... That's the thing about one... It, the matches where you see the mistakes, sorry, Nate, was like, that did it for me. It's like, they lost the way to Armenia 1-0 and... It comes from a shot from outside the box because the whole of midfield kind of opens up. Like Trapatoni would never allow that, but those gaps were always on show in Kenny's team. Or they played France at home last year, or either this year, and people were like, oh, Ireland played well. But then Josh Cullen gives the ball away on the edge of the box, and Pavard scores from outside the box. Now, the, the, someone who's yeah. just casually watching that might think, that's a, that's isn't that bad luck? That guy just really hit that ball really hard and it flew in the top of the net. But if you were watching it enough and watching close, you're like, not at all. Like That mistake happens because Stephen Kenny is, is telling them, pass the ball, pass the ball. And he's not telling them in a situation like that, lads, clear alliance and get up the pitch and keep our shape. Like That's that's just, that's just Sunday league football. And But again, it had to be his way of playing. And all these individual mistakes, I've seen some guy done a thread on Twitter of, all the individual mistakes that occurred under Stephen Kenny are basically saying, look at how unlucky he is. I look at that and go, these mistakes happen within the context of his management. They are a direct result. Exactly. That's, yeah. a, that's a pattern of yeah. stuff. That's a pattern of management and play. You know, like that, like I remember you, you sending me that thread and like when a thread gets yeah. that deep, you're getting your tin hat on. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you look at the teams we won, like it won't take long to go through them because there's not many. We got, a win against Gibraltar, uh, sorry, two wins against Gibraltar, one against Latvia, uh, Malta, Armenia, Scotland, decent win there, Lithuania, Luxembourg, um, Qatar, Azerbaijan, Andorra. Like, they're all games that any other team, if we were saying, yeah. oh, look, look at the games we want, they'd the laugh at us. They'd absolutely laugh teams. at us. So, they're, not, they're nobodies, like. Like, I mean, come on. Then, yeah. Like, what are we doing? Lads, has Kenny has Kenny been a victim and a beneficiary of a transient FAI where he it was set up for failure? He was brought in on the oh you'll be under twenty ones and big Mick you're actually going to be out of a job in two years and now actually Mick forget it just yeah. we'll put Kenny in now anyway and kind of being put in a kind of out out of the plan, um, but also because they've been in such a transitionary period themselves that they were able to take the eyes off the prize and off of him and a lot of the issues that user after highlighting over the last five minutes kind of just went unnoticed kenny was kenny was delaney's last gift to us that genuinely it was because that whole mccarthy situation would you see that in any other football association in the world no no not in that way like canada did 
not something similar, but they had a a, a plan in place. So John Herdman was the women's uh, national team coach. Then he was brought in as the assistant manager. Then he was brought. Then he was made the manager, and he's the one that brought through the likes of Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. And there's a logic to doing that, whereas the FAI was a little bit kind of like. Big Mick, I always felt really, really, really bad for him. That was like a holding appointment to keep people off his back. And he wanted the 21s manager. Um, I think he would have tried, it done in one of his Delaney-isms, and he would have tried to get Mick to stay on longer. And I think he wanted Robbie Keane as manager as well, because he gave Robbie a four-year deal, whereas Mick only got a two-year deal. So, like Delaney, Delaney's final victim, or final gift, is um, Kenny. So in the macro context of it, it's a lot of stuff isn't his fault, really. Um, and also, it's not his fault that at, we've, he's coming out of time when we've never had fewer top-level players. And also, we can't get players over to the UK the way we used to because of Brexit. And we aren't developing players here because standards have raised so much highly elsewhere. Like We'll still get the odd one. Like There'll be an Evan Ferguson in there every so often. But most of our players are... They're just kind of like, well, Nathan Collins is quite talented. I have to say he is, and he's highly rated. But generally, like Benny and guys like this, they're they're over level, and it's Kenny can't do much about that, which is so surprising that he spoke them up like they were the Italian ninety squad at times. Like he, he even last night he was saying how much he's gonna miss them. I wouldn't miss some of them that much, to be honest. Like. And Evan and, and no. Evan Ferguson isn't not gonna miss him. You know what I mean? Like he, he <laughs> like he he's a once in a generational talent for our country anyway. And you're telling me he wants Stephen Kenny at the helm of his international career? I don't think so. Just while we are recognizing John Delaney's role in all this, should and maybe we're not qualified to really make this call because it might need a bit more of a uh uh deep, deep, deep dive in to get the actual results. But does Rude Doctor have a lot to answer for in the sense that, like, are we... He was brought in to bring in a style of football that was going to be brought from the grassroots up. And have we seen the benefits of it yet? Grassroots in this country is a joke. Like, there is is people across this country that give their lives to grassroots, and I adore them. Like, it is the best part of the game. But from a governing point of view, it's a disgrace, the lack of investment. It Like, the pitches... Like, you look around, like, I'm, I'm in no way of... I'm like, a, a GAA, you know, connoisseur. I, I wouldn't know as much as I do about football. But what GAA have at least been able to do in their communities is give top-level services across the nation. You can't say the same for football. You know, there's areas with better pitches. But across the board, you go to a town, any rinky-dink place... Solid GA pitch. We don't have over that. To the clubs, yeah. To, to the League of Ireland clubs development. That's what he created. These. I was actually at the launch of the league. I was like, we're creating this new underage league, like a structure where the, all the best young players are going to play together, and there'll be like so instead of playing for Crumlin United or Cherry Orchard, the best players will go play for St Pat's or Bohemians or all these different teams. But these League of Ireland clubs are just trying to keep the lights on. Like they're not academies. Like they're not professional academies. I remember doing a piece a couple of years ago. Like my nephew played for Cherry Orchard and he went over to Valencia and him and his, his Cherry Orchard team like beat Valencia, they beat Barcelona, beat loads of teams small over Europe. These were when you were 14. But like within four years, I remember calculating that my nephew played football twice a week. Those Spanish guys were probably playing four times a week, five times a week. 
that results in thousands of more errors with the ball. So the times are eighteen. Of course, they're going to be better. Like you have, you get them Irish lads playing against them again, and they're going to kind of wipe the floor with them. So it's been a bad, like whole structural failure going back decades, like just decades. And people like Ruth Doctor or these bureaucratic guys, like they're ten a penny. You know that way. Like there's probably someone in there now, and now they're looking for government investment, the FAI, and saying, "Can we get the money that goes to Greyhound Racing?" or can we get betting money? We need invest in the infrastructure, all this type of stuff. But I just think we're at this rate, the way we're going, we're probably about thirty years behind our rivals. Like, and it's just, um, yeah, it's it's pretty grim. It just. But yeah, who even are our rivals now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like said, who are who are? Yeah. But I do think um, just one thing. Um, I do think like Irish football as a whole is such a false image in its current state. It's like. We go play against um, other international teams in this lovely Aviva Stadium, you know, packed out sometimes, and and it's it's a nicely um nicely done up product for for to see on the TV, like it was really cool to see Pat's um yeah. versus Bowes in, in the Aviva, like it looked it looked like a proper match, proper football match, but if you peel that back one level, the the drop off is is crazy, you know what I mean, mm. and like I I think that's such a such a big eye opener is like you have to rise the whole tide you can't just have the finished product on the top and go look at that you know what I mean and it's it's like say Greece like the stadium they play in it's like it's 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 level to the to the league that they're in it's like we don't have that it's like such a huge gap between our our actual grassroots and and league and it's like you, you need you need to close that gap you really do otherwise you're just you're just you're you're playing up for the TVs and the sponsors and the advertisers. That's, That's all you true. want. No industry, the money it's a great no football industry at all. So we're just we're basically picking off scraps, really. And we might get a lad over to England. He might do well. We also think we don't understand the context of how competitive Premier League football is. Like, like I remember a couple of years ago, people were giving out saying that Jose Mourinho was a fraud for not starting Troy Parrott. And I'm like, that's like, Josh Mourinho's a multiple European Cup winning manager. Troy Parrott's probably going to end up back in the League of Ireland. There are levels to this sport that just aren't there in, in those other sports that people follow in Ireland, like rugby or GAA. Like, there's no, there's, the levels in swap football are just, look, almost indescribable to, to describe how good some of those players are in, in the Premier League compared to our guys. And that level is just, we'll never bridge it at the moment. But when we, when, when we say, when we say, when we say, like, you know, we'd look at our team and at one stretch, you're like, oh, Callum Robinson, great player for Ireland. He is so bang average yeah. in the Premier League. It is unbelievable. Like, he's not even Premier time. League, he's, you know? like He's Irish, but he's British-made. You know that way? We haven't developed him in our system. like So it's hard yeah, to yeah, claim yeah. any credit for him, even yeah. if he was good. <laughs> you know that way? Like, we're just getting scraps. But on that, like, you know, I like... Uh, uh, an out of left field suggestion hmm. um, wouldn't be like it. So, in the Philippines, uh, in their league now, the team the team has since collapsed. But I think it's a model that should be looked at for the first division and potentially um, the Irish Premier League. Is we should have an FAI team where if so, like like we said before about Cherry Orchard and all that, not being able to like the teams can't afford to have an academy and. The likes of Cherry Orchard can't afford to keep the lads yeah, on beyond be, be, be a certain age. That the F, yeah. Um. So there should be that kind of a bridging club where basically 
a version of the Irish under 19s or under 20s, under 21s, up until the age of 21, is playing in the league. So if you, if Cherry Orchards think uh, they can't, can't afford to keep you, you want to move up a level, whether you can go get signed to the FAI themselves, play in against men, get good experience, maybe one of the teams will sign you. And it's that kind of second chance, but it's also a, a place where like, if you're a damn good 16-year-old, well, then sure, uh, Shamrock Rovers could loan you out to the FAI team, and then you're going to be in the system, and you're going to be feeding into the under-19s team comes and give down you a to better money. chance. It comes down to money, because like, I, I like the concept in, in, in some respects, but I think it's also, if you're a 16-year-old who's good enough to get into that team, you can earn five, six, seven, ten grand a week in the UK, and it's it's been able to keep a hold of them, you know? But no, well, this, the, it's the... This the thing is about getting them seen first, and I think that's where we're being we're missing. And as, as Nathan, I'm sure you're about about to say, is oh the breaks of the, peace, yeah. The yeah. link is no longer there, so yeah. the European scouts need to have the, an area yeah. that they can see them. So having this kind of a team being able to go right, yeah, they might be fa- facing against Kerry or whatever, but I'd much rather see a young lad going up against a 30-year-old who's fighting for half his week's wages because at least that's going to be an actual experience. Yeah, I remember no, actually, from when you say it like that, yeah. I remember years ago, there used to be a stat that um, of, I think it was actually under O'Neill's, um, uh, o- O'Neill's uh, tenure that the uh, most of the Irish players that were in the Premier League had actually came from um, the League of Ireland. And those that had gone from the League of Ireland that were in the Irish national team ended up having a longer career because they had better experience from the get-go. Basically, they didn't have an ego. They got used to being battered around and they were going to actually have a professional career rather than these lads again, moddy-coddled, kick gloves, going to youth teams, youth team, and then look at Conor Clifford. Conor Clifford captained uh, Chelsea to an underage FA Cup against the likes of Pogba and stuff. And yeah, couldn't even get in Dundalk's yeah, team the two years ago. Was there, like they go over yeah. at their age and they're homesick, or and it's the standards of those 18, 16, 17, 18 year old guys from all over the world are just so high that a lot of them are nearly better staying here. And basically, I remember writing this a couple of years ago. It's like we have this product, this market we used to export it to, don't really need it anymore in England. Like they have their own players or players from all around the world, so we need to create a kind of a market for it here, really, and. That won't happen unless it build an actual industry, and that for that to happen, then we need a proper, functioning, competitive, lucrative league of Ireland. And like, whew, how many years away from that? Are we probably fifty years? <laughs> well, this what this what I was this what I was gonna say. Like, as in, I like the concepts of all of this, and I would like to do a call back to we we yeah. we redesigned the Premier League. Now we're redesigning the FAI, but. <laughs> We just don't have the people in place to implement that, and like that's not to say that the the volunteers at, at at the grassroots level or even the people, not everyone in the FAI is is incapable of doing this. But I mean, the people that would be the decision makers and the power brokers of this, I don't think have the knowledge base to execute it correctly. You know, but and I it- I think one thing as well is like going back to what Killian said about the FAI team. It's like they've got a model there with what the IRFU do as well. It's like. They sign yeah. people up and they distribute the talent to each team. And I know it's different because there's only four provinces, but it's a good system to look at in terms of you can dictate how good a team is in a league or this and that. So 
I do think it's a model that could be explored in the future. I just, as you said, I don't know if the people are there to do it. I've, but they ha- they have the model right there if, if, if there they're willing to, to put the money in. Um, some guy wanted to bring that in years ago, in 2007, and John Delaney. Yeah, a guy called okay. really? Patrick Smith. Um, as soon as he said that, it reminded me of a piece of it a few years ago. And he basically, I think when this was written, he was with Colorado Rapids as like CEO. And he wanted to bring in a centralized mm. system where the FAI held the contracts for the League of Ireland clubs, like the RFU model. And our friend, our friend John Delaney, probably put yeah, that's smart. There. Um, that's what this piece says, anyway. So there has been people <laughs> with these ideas and ambition, and oh, it just yeah. it just hasn't come to any type of fruition um, at all. But like I, I, I think like coming up as well as like because the players can't go to to the UK at such a young age now, it's like. The only way for them to get top level football is through Europe, and it's, it's, it's. I know we've got Shamrock Rovers who who have a, a nice amount of money now and stuff like that, but we need to stack a team and have our best talent playing in Europe year in year out. You know what I mean? Because, Show them off. Oh yeah, like a hundred percent. Like, and I, I do think like that. That's the ultimate goal. Is I know it's not good as a product for for the League of Ireland, but we do need to like raise the level for a few teams to where you know there's there's clear outliers in the league because europe and i particularly leagues overseas it's like we we will all turn a blind eye at one one team leagues and who win this and win it year in year out but that that's how you 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 grow your grow your league is you have people competing in europe but we don't have that right now yeah and like i think this is one of the things that it's been good in context of Kenny to get this kind of chat kind of going. There is issues where with our development chain, there is issues with the uh, the governing body. Um, but I kind of want to bring things back to um, pre-Kenny times and kind of put things into context. And uh, when O'Neill was leaving the job, um, I've gone back to 2018 and dug out the managers who were linked with the job at the time. Oh, wow. Um. This is a very, very grim list when you see the, the who's being linked with the job now. <laughs> um, so the number one time, um, so this is from an Irish Examiner article at the time, the number one candidate for the job was Mick McCarthy. The number two candidate was Stephen Kenny. Number three was Chris Hewton. Four, Neil Lennon. Five, Sam Allardyce. Six, Fengorn Eriksson. <laughs> and then a, a a a rabbit run around of Roy Keane, Robbie Keane, Lee Carsley, Steve Bruce, Brian Kerr, and this interesting one, Arsene Wenger. It is grim that every one of them, bar from Arsene Wenger, is linked with the job again. <laughs> yeah, that's Jesus. As you went on, I was like, oh, he's in it, he's in it, he's in it. Like mother of God, like, so, like I, goes, I understand. This goes back to the mo- question I asked earlier: is are we any worse off from having had his tenure? Oh, I would, yes. I think I, 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 we are. Actually, it's probably oh. worse long term because we lost Rice and Grealish under him. And he'll say that we're going to go in. Mm. I think they... They were I never going to come, though. System. I don't they think they were ever around, in. Around, if he had called them up and capped them, we, we would have kept them. I think he gave, them, he gave them too much of an out to get out of it. Well, we'll never know, but I do think that was more destructive, really. I think with Kenny, I think we were going to go through this period anyway, but... I, I maybe a, a higher level manager would have us now in more contention, but I don't know if we will be 
doing a lot with this squad anyway, if that makes sense. I don't think he's been. I think it'd be. I think history would be kind mm. enough to him, you know, that way he, because you can always cling to who he brought through, but he, he's definitely mm. not the top level coach required tactician that we'd need to get us to a tournament or even improve the ranking. Right, lads, I'm going to put the question to each of you Nathan, Connor, then Robbie. Um, Stephen Kenny's legacy. Underqualified or underappreciated in his own time? Underqualified and a professional waffler. Um, that's, that's what I go with. Um, I think I, I, I alluded to it back then. I think he, he came in with good intentions, thought, thought he had it figured out, fell into his own lie and continued with it. Um, I think it got, went past the point to probably six, seven. Like, who like? There's definitely a game. I think it was maybe Greece away, but the FIA, there's like the FAI keeping them on that long. It it became a prison sentence rather than than anything else. It was like it was we were always going to get to this point, and I think that's when I started to feel sorry for him. Was when they purposely kept him on for their own personal gain, and I think yeah, I think he was definitely um. I think he was definitely not the right man for the job at the time and three years or yeah like it's such a long period when you look back that I I think he done a lot of damage that we'll, we'll look back on um for time to come Connor underappreciated or unqualified I think underqualified delusional and kind of on Nathan's point a bit of a snake oil salesman in his media approach but one point on the that I think will stand to him long term and may go into the underappreciated Nathan what was that stat you were telling me earlier about teenagers in in Kenny's teams oh yeah it was actually Rob's one um it was about the the teens he actually 42 made an appearance under him 42 times a teenager made an appearance under him out of a total of 50 in the history of ireland so that that that's a big big number you know what i mean so like like out of that 42 even if three of them come through ferguson's one of them but i, I mean i i don't know how proxy. much he used that as a crutch though you know what i mean like oh ma- massively but, but massively like, at what point did it go from good intentions trying to blood through young players and stuff to, to something that he chilled himself with, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. I don't know where that distinction crossed the the line between, like, he had good intentions and and that's what he was going like going for and then he used it as a defence mechanism, you know what I mean? I, I don't know 100%. where that was. I, um, I'm going to be a bit Bobby. fair to him. I, I do think ultimately he was underqualified given his lack of tactical acumen and exposure to the top level of the game um, harmful I do think we were, we should have got to one of these three tournaments maybe maybe this Euros with a proper Nations League campaign with a better kind of better higher level coach so but I, long term no I don't know if we too damaging like as we brought through a lot of players but um, it was ultimately a failed experiment it, on the, if you're looking at the brass tacks of it we weren't even anywhere near close to getting to a tournament. So, from that perspective, it's been a failure. But I'd give him a three out of ten, maybe <laughs> about the ranking. What do you, what do you, what are you saying, Killian? What's what's your vibe on him? 
I think in five years' time, we'll be glad that it was him. I think if we had some of the other names linked to the likes of a Steve Bruce, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have these guys bedded in at a time when we're going to need them. So when Ferguson and Morin and Bazunu, Kelleher and Collins, uh, Festy, uh, like the, the list genuinely can keep going on and on. By the time that they're all well used to playing with each other and we are in a position to be challenging with a few other youngsters coming through uh, for uh, qualification, we'll be glad to have had him and we'll be looking pa- back on this time going, Jesus, it was rough. But we came we out the other side. We came out the other side with a team that is ready and willing and able to work through stuff. Like you know, the way some players need a relegation. Well, would, that's what we had here. Would we be at the Euros though if we didn't have Stephen Kenny? If we had no. Steve Bruce, would we be at the no. Euros? Oh, well, I no. I think on on those no. managers you really? mentioned that that were up for the job the last time, I guarantee you, anyone on that list had they got the job would not still be in the job right now. We would, they would have been pushed out. With the crop of players we have, there's no way a manager would have lasted. What was that, 2018? Five years? No way. Yeah. The only one I think that might have done a creditable qualification process would have been Mick. Because I think yeah. he had that kind of level of pragmatism. But we would have had nothing after it. We would have been kind of going, right, Mick's gone. Let's restart. Let's well, it would have been 2003 all over again. need to get away from that old-school yeah. British-type manager. Yeah. Uh, Kenny's not the answer by any means, but he's probably closer to the answer than, I'm being very um, philosophical here, closer to the answer than Martin O'Neill was or <laughs> or Stephanie Steve Bruce. Like, I, I think that's when I just go, that's it for me. Like, I'm not watching this. Like, this is <laughs> oh, no. But, Steve but Bruce are they, though? Like, no, but... No, but he doesn't win. got to win games. It's like... Mrs. Doubtfire will not win us games, I tell you that much. I've been here before, boys. I've seen them. I'm thinking it has to be either Steve Bruce, Brexit, and Gravy Man, or it can be philosopher, philosopher, (laughs) and New Age, Gaelic, Pep Guardiola. There's loads of these guys in the middle, loads of these top level coaches who. Look, if for example, it's more like typing down. Like, it's like imagine typing the football manager. I want the guy with 15 speed or. 10 tactical acumen or it's like it's it's almost like identifying <laughs> attributes and then going and find them like when Trapatoni got appointed Trapatoni was a successful Ireland manager his name wasn't anywhere near the contention for that it became he came along later in the process because they knew they wanted a top level manager after Staunton they wanted someone who was available obviously who can put shape on the team and, and coach them correctly and that's what he did Trapatoni had spent hours working being but, able to speak English would have been nice. That, that, that would have been an extra try. <laughs> yeah, but we also have billionaires to pay as wages. Like, yeah. is a million a year, and I might, that's what I might take. That's double what Kenny was on. FBI have had their government funding suspended. So, so like these are suspended. Yeah, Jesus, so, he's on a million. On, on this, the Paddy Power odds for the next Ireland manager. Neil Lennon two to one. No, don't want him. Lee Carsley four to one. Don't think he'd take it. Roy Keane five to one. Might as well. If it's, What's your vibe on that, lad? Coach, just get the most entertaining person in. Like, like it's all about it's all about content. <laughs> get big now, makes like. as the no, assistant. People aren't watching the Ireland team. They're bored. Twenty one thousand. But if you think Roy Keane's going to be there, like I remember, I used to go. Like, when Keane was the assistant yeah. manager, yeah, yeah, before games, you'd have people like, filming and like, 
thousands in the stadium filming him doing volleys before the game and doing keepy uppies like um like he's box office so if you're not going to get a good coach you might as well get in get in the content machine that is Roy with, with Who's next on the list, Kill? No. Steve Bruce, 11 to 2. No. Hear me out. Big, <laughs> big Sam. <laughs> As the only guy here who has actually had a Steve Bruce team do well with Sunderland, us finishing seventh at one stage, stay the hell away from him. <laughs> <laughs> it always ends in flames. Um, Who's who? Remember the last time we talked about this? We were like, it's probably going to be someone like tenth on that list. Go down middle of that list. Who we got? So Chris Hutton twenty to one. Anthony Barry twenty Anthony to one. Anthony Barry has. I wouldn't take Chris Hutton. I wouldn't take you, Chris Hutton. Portugal. Yeah, I wouldn't bother for him. Yeah. He's yeah, living yeah, life. He's living well. The <laughs> next one, I th- the next one, I think could be the guy. John Eustace 25 to 1 hear me out he was the Anthony Barry replacement but then he was he had to leave after a couple of months because he was given the Birmingham job where he kept them up and was doing well until Tom Brady came in and wanted a a big name and appointed uh, Wayne Rooney and apparently the Brummie fans weren't best pleased at seeing Waza in Birmingham so he plays a reasonable and at times pragmatic style of football he knows the setup, so he's no knows what he's getting into, and he hasn't quite got enough of a, an experience at management to be able to charge what the likes of a Carsley could. Hear, hear me out. Somebody's not on that list. Right, like, so I, I, he's an Irish man, go for it. proud Irish man, um, coached at the top level, um, great public speaker, um, currently in a job. But Ireland don't play a competitive match again next September, so you can see how it goes. Brendan Rodgers. Because like, he's in. not the most popular at Celtic. Like, he's done it all at Celtic. What's he going to do? Get knocked out of the Champions League again and win the treble, 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 whatever it is he's going for. On Rogers, that I don't know, aim high. That could be one because at one point, at some point, he do he will, but he has such a big ego and he's such he's a good coach. Like He's right to have an ego. He'd be, he'd be one of them lads that's worth a chat. If he can get the, the hour with him. I think the only way he does that is if he can keep club job and does it on the side. I don't think he does it full-time. The FAI would need a financial takeover. Rogers is a wealthy man. Well, if you're still in a part-time, and that's where if you had a good assistant. living in his house for a while. He has a property empire. This guy is not short of any money. So, And he's a proud Irish man. He played, I know he's from Northern Ireland, but he played Gaelic and he's from a nationalist background. Mm. So, I don't know that like someone like that's your thing. It's more to think about for them. If it's not Rogers, it's don't be thinking we have to go get Steve Bruce. Like they can wait a couple of months on this. Like and there's gonna be lots of changes. Managers get sacked all the time, so I wouldn't like them just to go straight to Carsley and not look at anyone else because yeah, ten months. Well, we've got time. That's the thing. Like we actually have have time to select some. Is Fr- by the way, is Frank Lampard on that list? No. Good. Okay. <laughs> It, it, goes, it goes as far as 40 to 1 being John O'Shea and Lampard doesn't make the list at all. The other names are Duff 25 to 1, Keith Andrews 33 to 1, Rafa Benitez 33 to 1. Money again wouldn't, couldn't afford him. him though. What about Gus Payet? What's your thoughts on that? The tracksuits have won him over. Well, I, I think, and Nathan, I, I, I think I know where you're going to come back with this one. I think Poyet's a bloody snake 
I, I think he's slimy. <laughs> we and need I, a snake. That's what we need. We need someone that's that. That's not the safe option. Like we need someone that's gonna go in and he's he's either gonna set the world on fire for us or or burn burn the whole house down. You know what I mean? I I think that's where we're at. We're in the middle. It's like. I, I don't think we can build any further like like with, with, with a manager that comes in and with a new project it's, I think we're at the point where it's Roy Keane or Gus Poyet they come in they either do really well or they, they bring the empire down with them <laughs> I'll, make, I'll make the case for Gus Poyet again Sunderland have gone through every manager so if you ever need to know we have it Gus Poyet likes to play a good style of football but he is very pragmatic he'll just go right what Let's try this. Oh, God. Like, this is what happened to Sunderland. God, no. You aren't able for that. God, no, 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 no. Let's just, like, let's just play football. Let's just get it done. This 4-4-2 we get. And he did the great escape with us. He is a nice guy. He did get a bit bitter at the end of his time with Sunderland. Um, I hate saying as a Newcastle fan, but you have better players than we do in Ireland. You know what I mean? Like, he had more to work with than he does now. He's playing better teams as well. You know, do you know what yeah. I mean? I, like the, uh, the other thing about him though now is he's a lot more experienced because the Brighton Revolution did not begin with Graham Potter. It began with Gus Poyet. People forget that Gus Poyet's the one that got them from League One. That's a shout. You kind of forget and that. That's where Sunderland got him from. Was when he had bloody uh, Buckley playing on the wing and doing well. He had his own. Um, assistant playing right right back uh Mauricio Teresa who I think briefly it was his assistant he was briefly under Keane at Ipswich and then there was another guy another Spanish dude so he brought in all these kind of influences into League One in like 2009-2010 which was pretty damn good so he is a bit of a forward thinker I know he has his son Diego now as a performance analyst who is the most hench transformation you will ever see? Oh, Look you up showed that guy me this. You showed me this was... before. He turned into like Fernando Torres level of build. Fernando wishes. Because he <laughs> went from being like a slim 20 year old at West Ham and Charlton to just being like, he, his arms now are, is the total size of what he used to be. <laughs> um, so, like, I definitely wouldn't pass up the opportunity to have the chat with Poyet um, because, like, he's gone and he's done it. He's managed now in France. He was doing well in France until he had a fall now with the ownership. He's done it in China. I don't trust a guy who's got a job and publicly tries to get another one while he has one. That's where I'm saying he's a snake. No, you can't blame him. It's the tracksuits, man. Like, we'll give him a green one, we'll give him a black one, we'll give him all... He wants a tracksuit, so we'll give him a tracksuit. That'll be in his contract. But I do think one thing that that serves him so well is the international experience as well. Like yeah, no, he he's does. coming straight from an international job into an, another one. I think that's where that's he didn't do bad. Exactly. He yeah, he met us. He beat us. <laughs> and he's, he's but he's probably gonna go to the Euros now, is he? So you know what I mean? So lads, before we finish up, um I'm gonna ask you each give me a name who you want to replace Kenny and I'll do a football manager simulation and we'll post it on our socials and we'll see who ends up with the better coach at the end of, um, let's say, the next Euro cycle. So that's, you have a Nations League, you have a World Cup and then uh, another Nations League and the Euros. Um, Robbie, who, who, who do you want in the hot seat? I like it. Connor. 
I I agree with Rob and Brendan Rogers, but outside of that, I'd be curious as to what we could do with Lee Carsley. Okay. Nate? Oh, Gus Poyetta, Roy Keane, which one? <laughs> that would be a great YouTube boxing fight, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say Gus Poyetta. That's what I'm going to go for. What are you saying, Killian? We need, we need the fourth one in here. Okay. The one I would like, I don't think it's going to happen, but the one I would really like would be Graham Potter. I knew you couldn't get through this conversation without bringing that oh, man's mate, name up. Like, I knew it. Graham Potter, like... Just like get Sunderland to get him, like, and then happy days. Yeah, you know yeah and just I mean? yeah, like just I, that'll do I us all a favor. We can have him. I we wish. don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to his interviews when he first started managing, like when he was at was it Swansea University or Essex University or one of them. Like from then, he like he he is exactly what he's the exact opposite of a Roy Keane. Watch it, watch it now, Nathan. I bet you the Graham Potter sim will win just out of pure chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll, yeah. No. We'll do a Chelsea episode next week and he'll still be asking for him to be the manager of Chelsea again. <laughs> no, 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 no. Chelsea's too much of a, of a shit show. So the, what we're going to do then is we'll have Brendan Rodgers versus Gus Poyet versus Lee Carsley versus Graham Potter versus the Bucky's favourite, Roy Keane. And we'll see yeah. who has a better run of it in football manager 2024 and lads that brings us to the end of the podcast and to the end of stephen kenny long may he rest and long may we go without a mention of him um my thanks as always goes to our irreplaceable roster of not not a pundit not pundits connor glennon robbie redmond nathan byrne and i'm just here i'm killian Gennity. thanks a million lads Bye-bye. Pleasure. Bye. I'm not into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit. Back of the net.